Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Luke's become known as the shoulder guy because that's what he's chosen to specialize in. And as a swimmer, uh, we all know that shoulders are probably one of the biggest um, biggest places where we get injuries because we're doing hundreds of laps in the pool and, uh, and your shoulders cop a lot of the brunt of that. So uh, that's why I wanted to get Luke on the call today because uh, he's going to talk us through some of the common injuries that swimmers get, how to avoid them, how to treat them, and uh, some stretching do's and don'ts and some things that you should be aware of in the gym as well. So uh, welcome to the call, Luke. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Thanks, mate. Glad to be here. I don't, I don't normally do video podcasts, but because uh, it's going to be a little bit more visual than most of the, the calls, I wanted to, to make this a video one. So uh, for thanks for doing that also. Thank you, Deb. No problem at all. My pleasure. So uh, let's just start off um, a little bit about your background and why, um, why you chose to specialise in shoulders. Um, so I've been doing it for about eight years now, uh, focusing purely on the shoulder, but uh, probably through sport. I guess this is how most people probably get into some of these uh, some of these health professions. But through my own experience with sport, uh, I was a very keen cricketer uh, and uh, also rugby player, and I had a, uh, a knee reconstruction. So that sort of started my my uh, interest in in things related to the body and how I could fix how I could fix myself. So after that injury, I ended up going back uh, to university to study physiotherapy. And uh, I think it was one night while playing indoor cricket, uh, a ball was coming out to me pretty fast, put up the hand and uh, hit me in the hand and dislocated my little finger. And so then I went to a hand therapist to uh, get them to splint it. So hopefully it would end up straight. And, um, you know, I thought, hey, this is, this is pretty interesting. You know, they're dealing with something that uh, is related to, to something specifically related to sport. Um, it seemed like something that I would definitely be interested in. And so I contacted them. I said, hey, listen, I've just finished my physio degree. How about I come along and start to work with you guys? So they were purely focused uh, on the upper limb, so shoulder, elbow, and hand injuries. And from there, I think I just started to focus back on the shoulder because um, I actually had a shoulder injury when I was overseas at a summer camp playing tennis and um, came back and started to do things all wrong, couldn't get rid of my shoulder pain. It kept going on and on. And um, I think from that experience, I just started to focus more on what I could do to help myself, and then that flowed in through my physio practice. And uh, back in 2008, I just started to specifically work with people with shoulder injuries. It's funny how personal experience is usually the, um, <laughs> one of the motivators to, you know, to do what you do. I know with a lot of the stuff that I teach with swimming, it's all based on what I feel in the water and training and things like that. So it's, it's good that you come from that you know, background of having a shoulder injury yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a lot of the things I'm telling people uh, is from personal experience. Listen, don't do this because this, this was a waste of time. I, I couldn't get it right doing this particular way. This worked for me. So I sort of related to my own experience. And uh, a, lot of that, a lot of the time it seems to work for other people too. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. Well, Let's yeah. start off with uh, what are some of the common, uh, common swimming injuries that, you know, that you come across? I think, well, the most common one would be what we call impingement. So this is where the rotator cuff tendons, through, just through repetition, potentially through overuse of the shoulder because of the, the, I guess, the force that goes through the shoulder, certainly with swimming, and then the repetition of, uh, of how many strokes that uh, your swimmers are doing. 
um, they tend to get this condition called impingement. It would be the most in common, the most common one that we would see, uh, where the rotator cuff and the, this little structure called the bursa uh, gets irritated from overuse and then impinges hard up against the little bony roof that sits on top. This little bone called the acromion, and so we get some wearing of the tendons, some irritation of the bursa, and uh, and this impinging of structures up against that acromial arch. So that would be one of the most common ones. Other things that we certainly find out there are rotator cuff tears, partial thickness tears of this tendon group called the rotator cuff, which is so important for shoulder stability and shoulder strength. And the other one would be what they call labral injuries. So around the socket, if you can see my hand here, there's a lining that surrounds the socket to deepen the socket so the ball can stay better centred into the socket. And uh, quite often that gets sheared off so that the labrum can be torn off the edge of the socket and sits out here and doesn't centralise the head of the humerus bone. And so we get uh, a thing called shoulder instability. So probably the one that everyone knows about who's had multiple reconstructions was Patria Thomas. You know, she had multiple labral injuries from being a butterfly swimmer and uh, would have to go back and, and get that labrum reattached to keep that ball centred. And uh, so they're probably the top three, the impingement, um, the labral tears, and also rotator cuff tears. And I noticed in um, a lot of the articles that you write and the videos that you uh, put out there, you focus a lot on rather than going to the gym and lifting heavy weights to start with, it's it's all about getting that shoulder stability is the very first thing that you do. Absolutely. I, I think especially for for swimmers um, and, and the majority of people too, it's all about the activation of these muscles. Mm. You know, the muscles that are around the shoulder blade and around the rotator cuff, we've got to get them active because pain inhibits them. So once you get shoulder pain, no matter what the cause is, um, and we're not really sure still exactly what the causes are, but we have some idea. But once you get pain, it inhibits, mu- inhibits muscle and it also inhibits your ability to feel what's happening with your hand in the water, your whole body. You won't get that feedback that you normally get. So you've got to get back the activation first. And then eventually, once you get that, and you, I guess you, the, what, what I tell my clients is you've got to earn the right to be able to then to go to the gym. You've got to be able to do the <laughs> basics first, earn the right, and then you can go to the gym. Because uh, I find in my experience, the gym is, is where people uh, tend to fall down. Yeah, and that's, that's why you know, most of the top swimmers that you see these days, they do a lot of stuff with, with the TheraBands um, before training, um, before gym. Just activating the shoulder, those those small shoulder muscles, and just getting them working before they work on the, the bigger ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess in key parts of the the swimming stroke that they're needed, you know, especially at the end of end of range. So when they're when they're particularly, I guess, out in the reach and they catch those positions, you know, what's happening right there as you're starting to initiate that movement, um, stability at that point, and then powering through the stroke and maintaining that whole activation, that line of pull, I guess, that whole force. Uh, is so important because if you lose energy anywhere along that line, well, then you're not going to get the propulsion that you need. So, and that energy transfer is so important from lower body through, you know, through trunk, through the shoulder blade, up and through to the arm and out through the hand, I guess. So yes. that's something that we really pay attention to. And if if the swimmers can uh, can work those uh, that shoulder activation, the you know the smaller stuff first, and they you know reduce their risk of injury, then uh, then they're not um, because you see a lot of swimmers who do injure their shoulders and then they adjust their technique to cope with it so they're not putting pressure where it hurts 
and yeah. that can tend to throw them out of line a bit. So if you yeah. can do the things to prevent it or the things to you know to treat it properly, then you'll find that your technique will also be a lot better. Yeah, and I think for I, I sort of the concept I use is what they call uh, minimum perceptible loading, right? So if you load someone up dramatically and very heavily, they they lose the touch, they lose the sensitivity. So we start out very light, and it's quite often it's harder to do so when it's things are light. But light therabands, light you know drills that are out of the water, uh, that are focusing with the arm and body in certain positions that require stability. Uh, if they can master those lighter drills, those ones that require uh, a more of a, of a feel as opposed to the strength side of things, I think that then flows onto and helps those strengthening activities, but it also helps the feel in the water too. Yeah, that, that's right, and. and- it's you know you, you do sometimes you want to go to the gym and you want to lift heavy weights and you want to try and get strong straight away. But if you can just um, you know have a little bit of patience and and just yeah. build up those smaller ones over you know the first yeah. few weeks, you'll be a whole lot better off. And I like your idea because the pre-activation I, I call it. So before you get in and do the work, um, you know, prove to yourself that these muscles are working. Mm. How do you know? If, how do you know they are? Just because you can raise your hand up in the air doesn't mean they're actually activating maximally or act or working, you know, to some degree. So if you get a very light TheraBand and pre-activate before you go ahead and do some training, not, not to fatigue, but just gently get some gentle activation, then potentially that's going to flow, have a flow on effect. Yeah. And I mean, with a lot of the positions that you're in with, I mean, you know, your shoulders and your arms aren't really in positions that they're used to and positions that they're um, ideally designed for, I guess. So if you can, yeah, so if, if you can strengthen those muscles and, uh, then it's you know, a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, um, what are some of the things you – we've spoken about a few of them. What are some of the other things that you recommend to avoid, um, avoid these types of injuries? Yeah, I think the big one that's sort of coming from, um, you know, I guess some of the more recent studies. So we're starting to look at, you know, what, what are the things that potentially cause um, the breakdown within the tendon structure, which then potentially causes shoulder pain. So they call that tendinopathy. So some of the big things that we're sort of starting to look at uh, are obviously related to training volume, you know, so the hours of swimming that people do per week and the actual weekly uh, kilometres that the swimmer does, that has a, a, a fairly significant relationship between, you know, the amount of hours that people are doing and then the, the breakdown within the tendon structure. What uh, was interesting, this is a recent study from about 2010 and they looked at about 80 elite, uh, elite young swimmers aged between 13 and 25, I think. Yep. And they sort of, the interesting thing they found was laxity. So inherent shoulder laxity where there's, you know, because we're, you've got to be very mobile to be a swimmer, but laxity wasn't correlated to getting um, tendinopathy in the rotator cuff tendon. So that's really interesting. So what what so, do you mean by laxity? So, nat- so naturally... Some people are more mobile than others, okay? So you've got to be very mobile to swim. Yep. But there would also be a group of people who say, okay, because you're a swimmer and potentially you're naturally more lax than others, then you shouldn't stretch, okay? So don't stretch because we potentially are going to make you more lax right. and more susceptible to shoulder problems. But this study actually went the other way and sort of said, hey, listen, laxity is not really related to shoulder problems in this right. study. It was more related to the volume and the hours that uh, swimmers were in the pool. Okay. It's interesting because naturally you would think the more lax a shoulder is, the more potential there is for shoulder pain. Mm. Um, That's the old model which we would look at. Uh, I think it's still relevant to some degree because 
the more lax the shoulder is, potentially the more risk for instability there is. So mm. I think in terms of things to avoid, overtraining is certainly something to avoid. Um, I think uh, being careful when you are stressing your shoulder when it's loaded, especially in the gym. Uh, the stretching component can be something that uh, could um, over overstretch an already uh, fairly mobile shoulder. Um, and also I think potentially the other things would be just not, I guess, focusing in on those smaller muscles, making sure that you're checking that some of the key things that you need to, to be a swimmer, uh, that you're checking in on those regularly and, and doing something a bit different. You need to take some time out from your potential swimming program to do something land-based mm. um, that might gently challenge you in other ways, but there's potentially a flow-on effect to, uh, to the activity in the water. Yeah. Well, we, uh, on the overtraining, the overtraining side of things, we've got a couple of guys who are doing um, the channel next year and then some bigger races at uh, the start of next year. And yeah. the, you know, they've, they've asked some of the guys who have done the channel before and who have got a lot of experience in the distance uh, in distance swimming, and it's all about building up your kilometres. So if you start out and you're, you're going to do 30k a week, where you previously you've done 15 or 20, then that's yeah. that. You know, you're going to get a shoulder injury basically. Yeah, for so sure. It's all about building up um, that base, and and again, a little bit, a bit of patience, and yeah. uh, and not going too hard too early. I, I think you're right. So the, the the other big problem I think which you're mentioning here now is is the big jumps. Mm. You know, 15 to 30. That's a that's a significant jump for some people. So and I think the adaptation, we know that the adaptation within the tendon structures is quite slow. You know, poor blood supply, tendency to get overused. So the, the adaptation to the new load, the new training load, takes some time. and It will be a lot longer potentially than the muscular tissue, which is more vascular, more responsive. Um, so it's, it's interesting that we've got a, both a muscle and a tendon involved in this whole process, which we're trying to get up to speed. So allowing the time, uh, as you, I think you correctly stated, it, it's really important to give yourself that time to get to that next level and, um, I, I guess, prove that you can stay at that level and not get a negative response once you're sort of there. Mm. And so let's say someone comes into you uh, with, uh, with a common swimming injury, yeah. um, you know, whether it's um, got sort of tendonitis or they've got the impingement or what, what do you usually do to treat them? How would someone go about treating those injuries? Well, uh, the big sort of information we're starting to sort of think is going to help now is um, what they call not complete rest, but what they call relative rest. So your tendons to to maintain their health, um, even with an acute tendonitis, they still need some load. But there will be a window in which you can load that tendon. If you can see my hands, you know, bottom, bottom part of the window, top part of the window, in here is where we want to load the tendon. If we keep taking that tendon outside of its window for loading, then we're going to continue to have a problem. But if we can gently relatively rest that tendon to some degree, so that might mean a drop-off in some training or a different style of training, but the tendon still gets some load within that comfortable window for it, um, then we should be able to see some settling down of that tendon and that inflammation within that tendon. So relative rest is important. Sometimes uh, people will start to look at an anti-inflammatory to help with that settling down of that inflammation uh, in the acute phase and then eventually moving back onto a gentle graduated loading program. So that's where we gently take things nice and slow um, once, the t- once the pain is certainly settled down from that to gently start to build that shoulder back up. 
but it's multifactorial. We've got to go back and look at how is energy being transferred through the body up into the shoulder. So I would go down and look at the, the lower half as well. So what are the glutes doing? What's the lower body doing? Are we getting good energy transfer from the lower body to the upper body? Look at the shoulder blade, especially its ability to upwardly rotate. So when you put your arm up above you, you've got to have this shoulder blade rotating up nicely so the socket and the ball stay together. Right. So if I've got my arm up here in the catch position, but my ball is relatively, sorry, the socket is relatively downwardly rotated, I'm asking for trouble. So I really want that socket and the ball to be together at all times. So upward rotation of the shoulder blade is really important. So we'd certainly look at that and then look back at the muscles too. Certainly some gentle massage can help some trigger point therapy through the rotator cuff and other muscles, and then potentially some gentle stretching, uh, not to sort of, you know, potentially double the length of tissue, but just to help it, to help inhibit it and increase its compliance, especially, I guess, when you're, when you're bringing the arm through into some internal rotation in this position, that whole back half of the shoulder is really being stretched out and put under load. So you've got to maintain muscle lengths, uh, the timing of when the muscles start to act, and then also strength too. So at the end, the strength components would come more into it. Mm-hmm. But I say when I'm treating a swimmer, I'm going very gently and looking at some of the contributing factors which might might lie outside the shoulder to give the shoulder some rest. We're not going to go ahead and blow them out of the water, giving them you know full-on rotator cuff exercises straight away. We'll, we'll look elsewhere and gradually build that back in over time. So as a, as a physio, you recommend... Um you know, you don't, you don't, with most injuries, you don't want to just completely stop. It, it helps to keep that muscle going and keep the blood yeah. moving through it, keep exercising, but just not at the rate that you probably were before. Yeah, and I think that's, that's certainly, you know, some people are listening to this saying, well, how do I know? You know, what's, what's rest and what's relative rest or, you know, how am I going to tell whether I'm, I'm doing the right thing? The, the way that I would, I would coach someone to say, hey, listen, do something today, right? Take some relative rest from your program today but check your response tomorrow. So check your 24-hour response. So we back off the program somewhat, not completely, but see if we get a better response tomorrow and then can we get that consistently following that. So we're looking for, I guess, the easiest way to measure it is just a reduction in your pain. So get your pain from, say, if we had to measure it, or someone might mention that their pain is 7 out of 10, right? So 10 is the maximum pain. That's way too high. I would want to get them down to two or three out of ten, something that's more manageable. They can they can do their program, which might be slightly uh, restricted, but they can manage that program. And the next day they're pulling up, or the next session they come back into that session um, feeling comfortable enough to repeat that session. Hmm. It's a great way to double check that someone's sort of within that window of loading. And uh, and what are some of the best stretches that you'd recommend for swimmers? So what should, things should people be doing? You know, after their workout, what kind of muscles should they be stretching in their shoulders? Well, I think, I think stretches throughout the whole body is probably a great idea, you know, especially trunk rotation, thoracic, the big, you know, the, this sort of thoracic extension, thoracic rotation is really important. Those type of stretches are really good for that whole rib cage to make sure that that's nice and mobile. Mm. Um, I think shoulder-specific stretches, the, the two best ones that I tend to use is this, you know, this, this cross-body sort of stretch. The big trouble with that is most people tend to pull their shoulder blade around with them. So then we lose the effect of stretching in this area. It's more likely to stretch the muscles that attach from the shoulder blade out to the spine. So we've got to be careful to keep our shoulder back with you as you gently pull the arm across. Now what most people do is they try to pull the, pull the arm into their chest and they end up 
squashing their shoulder hard up against their chest where we just want to gently see if we can stretch in this direction and gently stretch these structures here at the back part of the shoulder. Right. So this posterior tightness is something that's common and it's common amongst athletes that use their arm overhead and it's common amongst people that uh, athletes are getting impingement too. So there's the cross-body stretch and there's also the sleeper stretch. So um, some studies have said that, listen, the cross-body stretch is the best one to do. But the sleeper stretch, you've got to pretty much lie down on your side and you're pulling your hand so you can lie on the side of the pool on your affected side and you're gently pushing your hand, this one here, down towards the, uh, the side of the pool. And again, you're looking for a stretch in the back half of that shoulder, this posterior part. And you can do a little technique called contract and relax to see if you can get a little bit of compliance uh, within the tissues. So we're not really trying to you know, double the length of tissue. We're just trying to get things to gently let go so we can maintain the muscle lengths that we already have mm. and that we should have when we're going into the pool to swim. So uh, we've got to be careful about, I guess, the loading. You can still uh, overload your already inflamed tissues by overstretching. So right. you want to do it in a nice, comfortable way. Stretching doesn't have to necessarily feel painful, but I think you know, uh, the mobility of the shoulder is certainly important. So that's their posterior shoulder-based, but certainly getting up into these positions, and you can see all the other, other uh, techniques that swimmers tend to use to maintain the overall mobility of this of this ball and socket joint. That's, that's so important. Mm. I really like the sleeper stretch. That's one of my favorite ones is because when you're doing a lot of freestyle, you tend to use, you know, your arms out, out here, if you can see it, and it yeah. tends to make these kind of bands um, you know, around your shoulder very tight. And that's yeah. a really good way to access a stretch yeah. to stretch those out. Yeah. Some, some say it's a posterior capsule stretch, you know, and this is the exact thing you, uh, you target. I don't know if you can be that clear about it. I think do what works. If it's tight, stretch it. If it's not tight, leave it alone. Focus on muscle activation and stability. Mm. So um, I think if you can maintain your natural ability to, you know, keep your shoulders mobile, then that's fine. But if you detect a little bit of stiffness, which then affects the stroke, affects the shoulder mobility, then that's something that we need to gently build in on to make sure that we're keeping our, that shoulder, as you say, nice and mobile. But those those parts of the back half of the shoulder are notorious for getting uh, very tight. They're certainly put under a lot of pressure when they're in this position as they're coming through because they're on the muscle length is now long and it's having to work quite hard. And the muscles don't really like working at a lengthened position. Uh, they prefer to work in this nice mid zone where they can their output's much better. Mm. And now uh, let's let's say you're going to the gym. Uh, what's some what are some of the things that people should avoid when they're going to the gym yeah. or, or watch out for? Yeah, well, I've got this concept. It's called the safe zone. Okay, it's very simple, very very simple. So what what I think um, it might be a bit controversial, but I'll get to it. But if you can put your hand up to wave goodbye, right? So if you do it right now, Brendan, put your hand up to wave goodbye naturally, you'll notice that your elbow's in front of your shoulder. Have a look at it. Is it? Pretty much. So once you, that's a safe zone. So you naturally will want to put your arm in a safe zone because it allows the, the arm bone and the muscles around your shoulder to work nice and effectively. Okay, so if that elbow starts to drop back, so I'm waving goodbye, right? Roughly, this is the safe zone, mm -hmm. here, forward. But if I start to drop my elbow back into these positions, I'm now going to have to require more shoulder stability. Right. Okay, so now if I'm loading myself up, doing behind head presses, yeah, behind yeah. squats, deep bench presses, dips, chins, 
those type of movements require a maximum amount of stability. Okay, and most people are doing them, and they're not really paying attention to, uh, you know, certainly to their rotator cuff, but also most of these exercises we do in the gym, we're only using this part. Let's just say I'm doing a press. Mm-hmm. I'm only using this part of my body. That's not the way you naturally move. Yeah, you use the you use the lower body to generate energy to come out through your hand to do tasks. Okay, so uh, I, I like to incorporate things that involve the whole body. So we can still do something that might be a press or a pull or a push, um, but we're using our whole body to, to make that movement more energy efficient. Therefore, we don't get the stress potentially that's isolated and loading up the shoulders in a very leveraged position. You've got to be very careful of that. Mm, okay. So, uh, and if you look at some of the, you know, some of the top swimmers, a lot of the stuff they do in the gym is now um, very explosive type of work and they're, you know, they're using medicine balls and they're, squatting down and then jumping forward and throwing and things like that so it's, it's more power movements but the whole body so like yeah. like you're talking about so yeah i love that because just because you're you're you know depending on your environment you're in you know whether you're, if you're land-based then you're using a ground reaction force but a lot of the energy comes from the floor mm. you're pushing down on the floor as you're pushing up to throw the medicine ball against the wall so it's a ground reaction force that you're now using to generate energy potential energy to get them through your body to perform the same drill. Mm. So if it's the sum of all the parts, make that whole movement more energy efficient. And that's what the whole body is about. So if you're using then the water, it's a different environment. So we've got to think about well, and try how do we get energy transferring through our body from our lower body up into the upper body. I think it's still important. And swimming is quite a unique sport where, where you know, that flow of energy uh, – is very interesting because you've got the lower half doing one thing and potentially the upper half doing something completely different. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I went to a coaching conference on the weekend and um, one of the things I spoke about was uh, the, the swimmers that have got a background in, say, other other sports like ball sports or running or whatever, the, the people that are used to dry land exercise, they've got a better um, a better ability to be able to adapt to different things in the water so with their starts and their turns because they know where what their body's doing right. so uh yeah so you know dry land um work is is important as a swimmer still yeah. even though you're not you're not on dry land it's um it still transfers across those kinds of motor skills yeah absolutely mate i think things that use your whole body things that involve play where we're developing a skill with the upper land upper limb it could be just purely you know, bouncing a, a nice soft ball, a rubbery ball that's very, very light and mobile up against the wall but up in this catch position, you know, in a nice position that gets us rotated. Um, but things involving a bit of fun, a bit of feel, a bit of uh, whole body movements. And I think the, the body awareness is so important because you've got to be able to transfer that in, into the into every sport and, and hopefully everyday life. But some people just have a better body awareness than others. Mm. Uh, I, I find that people that are in pain lose that awareness but others, uh, they just can't, they just can't detect when things are getting close to being unstable, either at the knees, the hips, the shoulders, the elbows. You know, they just, they just don't have that awareness. But I think you can improve that with the drills that you're sort of mentioning there, the dry land stuff, as well as the, the water as well. So I think the dry land is a very important component, and especially for swimming, uh, is involving both head rotation and, and arm use. Mm, yes, yeah, so a lot of people just focus purely on the shoulder, but what has the rest of the body got to be doing when, I, when I'm using my arm? So if we, you want to involve something that's involving the neck because the neck muscles and the shoulder is intimately related. So even, even drills where you're doing something here 
and there's a head turn that's involved as well. So you're looking at the ball, say, if you're doing the wall tap, and then you're looking away from it, looking at it, looking away from it in a nice rhythmical motion that might mimic something that you do in the water. So these are the little things that we sort of try to incorporate. Yeah, and that's and with a lot of the, the stuff that we offer, it's uh, all you know drill-based in the water. So you're not just swimming freestyle, you're... You know, you start off with kick on your back, then you move to kick on your side and, you know, then taking one arm stroke and, and so on. And it's all about developing those motor skills. So you're getting your whole body to, you know, to move in time and get a feel for what it's like to have your whole body move together rather than just individually pulling through and then, you know, rotating sort of thing. So it's all all connected. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is another problem with gym-based activity, especially uh, when instructed to firstly stabilize the shoulder blade and then move. You might see people doing a pull or a push where they're locking the shoulder blade in and then moving the arm. So this is not a natural way to move. You, you, you naturally flow with movement. So we're trying to get, as you're suggesting here, just energy flow moving better and promoting natural movement and natural energy transfer as opposed to stopping a movement and then starting a movement. That's, mm. just, that's where energy gets lost and, and that's vital, I think, in the swimming Right. Now you're uh, you're located in Newmarket, Queensland. Yes, mate. Newmarket in Brisbane here, um, yeah, in Queensland. Brisbane. So, uh, yeah. so if, if people want to um, want to come and see you for a physio session or a checkup or anything related to, to swimming that way, they can they can head there. What's your the website for your physio business? So, so the website for the physio practice is shoulderguyphysiotherapy.com.au. But uh, for more of the, I guess, the insightful information like we've discussed on this podcast, they just want to go to theshoulderguide.com. Yeah, and you've got to, you've basically put your your knowledge, the things that you teach um, or that you, um, yeah, te- I guess teach clients that would come in, um, you've put that all together in a package so that um, people who aren't in Brisbane, they can, uh, people from all over the world can access that information so they can fix their shoulders and, you know, make them stronger and not get those recurring injuries that, happen that can happen again and again so uh, yeah. the shoulderguy.com yeah go to the shoulderguy.com and uh, the product you're referring to there mate is called super fast shoulders so this is really is designed to give people some fast information uh, it's a fast start guide to helping people solve their shoulder pain problem because um, so many people uh, roughly half of the people that are going to get shoulder pain will have it potentially for 12 months and and even longer so uh, I guess what we're trying to do here is to, you know, make an effect on that around the world, get people accessing the right information at the right times so that they can start to solve their own uh, shoulder pain problems. So it's a great resource, uh, super fast shoulders, mate. Thank you. Great. And uh, I know there's some training videos, uh, some free training videos on there as well to get people started. So head yeah. over to theshoulderguy.com if you've got problems with your shoulders or if you need to improve your strength and you feel like, that's something that your swimming might be lacking. So uh, thanks very much for that, Luke. Um, yeah, my pleasure. It's been great. It's, uh, it's good to speak to someone who's specific about you know shoulders because as a swimmer, I know um, you know I occasionally get shoulder injuries and uh, they're not much fun because they keep you out they keep you out of hard training for a while, which, uh, yes. which can be frustrating. So uh, yeah, once again, thanks very much for um, for being on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. Uh, good luck. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.